what you're watching. Got a problem with part two? Night in Canada, a nostalgic journey digging through decades of animation to find the good, bad, and weird of Canadian cartoons. I'm your co-host, Chris Lucy Antonio. And I'm your co-host, Sylvie Kennels. And I am suffering from technical issues. Let's let's put this in the podcast. Yeah, just in case. So if so, unlike our usual crisp and professionally produced audio, if something goes wrong this time and doesn't sa- sound quite up to snuff, it's not my fault. Surprisingly. I know, for once. Like, I have an excuse. A legitimate excuse. I don't take care of my electronics. That's my excuse. I mean, yeah. I have... Listen, I've been dealing with... Like, laptop issues my entire life. But recently, I have come to just... Because I'm also broke, by the way. um, Come to accept them just as a cost of living... I, like, I'll never have a fully functioning, working laptop ever again, because why? I don't, I can't afford that. I don't have, it's a whole thing. But, just so you know, if it's, if it sounds like shit this week, I'm exonerated. Yeah, I have no excuse, but Chris is in the clear. Exactly, right. Um, I am free of blame, for once. Yeah. So, enjoy that while we hopefully journey back into the archives of NFB for our, what is the double feature theme this time? Um. They're both about unrequited queer love. (laughs) Okay. The The amount you laughed made me think that wasn't a good idea. No. That's inaccurate. I I was thinking somewhere along the same lines. I was Mm. gonna say the cat is gay. (laughs) So, you know what? Yeah, we'll go with it. We should have saved uh, this this double feature for Pride Month. Oh, close. It's close. Yeah, it'll it'll almost be Pride Month when this this episode goes up. But, as as in the grand tradition of the NFB showcase, the, the long storied history of the NFB showcase, both myself and Sylvie have selected a short from NFB's vast archive of animated productions and fully, it was done fully like uh, without the other's knowledge. We just kind of said like, I want this one, I want that one. And here we are. And now we're just trying to make sense of it. Like yeah. why these two, what is their meaning? Probably nothing, but you know. So which one should we start with? Uh, should we start with the somewhat serious one or the iconic cartoony one this feels like we should flip a coin for this who has real money anymore i do but not in this room well that's a problem uh how about we go with my pick first uh to to open the palette up for the hard feelings later on yeah 
I don't know. I have a lot of hard feelings about this one, too. So, for my selection of our double feature, I went with a classic that is likely to be one of the more recognizable shorts from the NFB arca archives, would you say? Yeah. I mean, given that it's one of the five, six shorts that has uh, NFB merch. Oh, that's actually another connection between the yeah. two. Oh, yeah, they that do both have NFB merch. They both have pins available on the official NFB merch store. Look yeah. at that. Commerce. There we that's go. The theme. We did it. Bo both of these. Both of these shorts are insanely marketable to people like us who will buy them. Yeah, I might. I really might. I'm looking at. I'm looking at the plush. I'm eyeing that plush. <laughs> so yeah, this is definitely one that more people outside of like you know us and other weird animation nerds would remember from their childhood. It's the cat came back with story, animation, direction, and backgrounds all helmed by Cordell Barker, a legendary collaborator with the NFB. He was born in Winnipeg in 1956, and he began his career in 1974, working for his, his animated career, working for Sesame Street and collaborating on a number of commercials before he got to start working at the NFB on Brad Kassler's 1985 short, Get a Job. But the subject of today's, like, well, half subject of today's podcast, The Cat Came Back, was Parker's first short with the NFB, released in 1987. And he would go on to regularly collaborate with them for the next several decades. The short is a comical adaptation of a silly folk novelty song written by Harry S. Miller in 1893 of the same name, The Cat Came Back, which became very popular among children, despite how shockingly violent and kind of racist it is. I See, I've never heard the song The Cat Came Back, because I know better than to, I know better than to engage with any media where cats get hurt. See, there's that. There, There's that thing. But although the... the twist of the shorts the animated sh short as well as the song is that the cat never or rarely gets hurt he only dies at the end yeah. but in the song there he is the cause of a lot of mayhem and death good, not so good, much in the short good but for the cat honestly good for the cat yeah and probably the only reason why most uh canadian children would be familiar it, with it if it wasn't for this Cordell Barker short is because of the Canadian children performer Fred Penner who turned this into like a a popular novelty song at his time. Uh, Barker's adaptation is a very toned down adaptation of the song which takes the material of the lyrics and uses it as a motif and it was all musically arranged by John McCullough and lyrically it's it has some of the elements of the song, but again, it's not a direct adaptation because a lot of it is very, very violent. Yeah, this is this is a, a much safer, kinder version of, of the story. Yeah, it's an SFW version of The Cat Came Back. I mean, kind of. The the, the one, there's like a an underwater shot that is pretty fucking horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, the NFB's 56th nominated film. And to repeat a story we all know so well, it lost to a Pixar movie. Naturally. 
John Lasseter, the serial hugger, and William Reeves' Tin Toy, which is like the third Pixar movie. So the Academy was just like thrilled and stunned by CGI animations, like even how primitive it was at the time. Yeah. I mean, kind almost fair enough. Like I no no no. It like, was it was a it was huge leap forward for the yeah, technology. Exactly. But also, come on. But this one's just so fucking delightful. It is, it is. And it was like an early broadcast standard for Teletoon. They would play this as part of their, like, independent spotlight block, where they just usually a bunch of NFB shorts like this and the Log Driver's, log driver's Waltz and whatever they had access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the early, early days when they are just looking for content to fill their, their broadcast times. I'm honestly surprised more Canadian channels didn't do that. Or didn't do it as much. Like, just having access to NFB shorts. I'm pretty sure the CBC played, like, the documentary shorts all the time. Yes. And then, of course, also the Log Driver's Waltz. Yeah, because that's just proud Canadiana. That yeah. We should all be a... We, we should all know by heart. We really should. That should be part of the Canadian citizenship test. <laughs> the you have to recite to the, the Log Driver's Waltz. The Log Driver's Waltz. You, you I mean, if you want to... You can choose between either, like, singing it, or you have to do the log driver's dance. One is much more difficult than the other. Why would you ever pick the dance? I don't know. Maybe some people just, like, have such a hard time with memorizing lyrics. Sure. That the dance would be easier. But you do have to do it on an actual, like, full log in the river. The short was, as I said, very popular on Teletoon and would... Uh, find its way into their schedule, just like thrown in throughout uh, throughout throughout the 90s and 2000s, and the short was later adapted into a children's book in the 2010s with Cordell Barker, Barker serving as the author. Sylvie, what are your memories of the Cat Came Back? Because I know you've seen it before. I, I don't. I think I just saw it at university. That's right. Huh. That would be it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because I was never. Wasn't the Teletoon kid, and it just never happened to be on like C- on the CBC when I was. So I, as I said, I had very fond memories of this short. It played all the time in Teletoon, and it was just like a fun little novelty thing that would replace some commercials every now and then. Mm-hmm. Like I, I obviously had no idea who Cordell Barker was or wh- what the NFB was when I first saw this. It was just a fun little cartoon for kids, based off a. Of racist song uh let's talk about what it looks like and how it moves for a second yeah sure this sure is a squiggly squiggly little short we have squiggle vision do we ever have squiggle vision uh the 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 characterization of mr johnson who is voiced by richard condy by the way the director of the big snit oh he was also a producer on this short like he worked with um he he worked with barker on several other projects before this um Squiggle Vision. Every, like, this character is just a, just constantly moving. I, I think it also, because, like, other things do squiggle a little bit, but not nearly as much as, as the character of Mr. Johnson. Like, the cat does not. That, no, it's really underlining his, like, franticness yeah, as the is, character. he is neurotic. Like, as soon as this cat has inconvenienced him, he has resolved to murder it. Yeah. Inconvenienced him like, and he like he started it. Let it let Did it be he? said he started it. Why? By how? By letting it in, letting the cat into his house. 
No, by, uh, cause, cause he is totally enamored with this cat at first blush. Like, he sees For like 20 seconds, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, that's adorable, brings it into his home, uh, picks up a rattle that is precious to him, and uses it as a toy, and then gets surprised when the cat plays with it like a cat toy, and it, it breaks. Like, you, that's rule number one of cat ownership, is you never play with something you don't want them to play with. Well, see, Mr. Johnson doesn't know what that. He's just—he's a hermit first and foremost. Who lives alone on a hill and plays his tuba. Yeah. The the the, the way they like uh, adapt this premise, uh, it's very straightforward. Uh, but I kind of like—I kind of understand why in like the 2010s this was like re-adapted again from the uh, NFB short into a children's storybook because mm-hmm. this has a very storybook style. Like it does. Cordell Barker's. Kind of. I also think of like Gary Larson's Far Side when I look at a Cordell Barker short. It's a it's a very kind of like, uh, for lack of a better word, like cartoony kind of style. Mm-hmm. My my first thought was was Big Snit. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's clear that he was me- it was very clear that he's mentored by Richard Condy, mm-hmm. which is true. Yeah, because they have not not the same art style, but very similar vibes. Specifically with character design. Yeah. Yeah, I think Mr. Johnson and the husband from the basement have the exact same body type. Yes. So there are like two huge standouts from The Cat Came Back that like need to be highlighted. It's Barker's direction and the and the use of music and like the orchestration and the composition of it. Mm-hmm. Or the arrangement rather, not the composition. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but like you can tell right away... Uh, Barker's like directing style because there's a pan shot that opens this up that where someone's knocking on the Mr. Johnson's door yeah, while he's playing the tuba and like it, there's like this whip pan around yeah and it's brilliant and that he has a great sense of timing throughout this entire short and like as as it gets more exaggerated as it gets more frantic and violent like his directing style gets more sharp yeah, like, the, the film itself gets more frantic and desperate as Mr. Johnson is getting unhinged. Yeah, and, like, the, the cuts come more uh, rapidly, and the character moves a lot faster, and it's, like, there's a great sense of pacing and timing throughout this entire thing, which is, like, Cordell Barker's, um, like, signature thing. Mm-hmm. He loves that kind of fast gag comedy. Yeah, there's, uh, I'd say, too, there's there's a lot of um, Looney Tunes in in some of the movement here, big, big, like, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote energy. Definitely, yeah. Especially because it's all based around antagonism between yeah. two characters. And, like, even more to the point with that Looney Tunes comparison, it's like, yeah, a lot of Looney Tunes were based on sheet music from Tin Pan Alley. Yeah. Yeah, just taking the the energy of the music... And being like, what? Let's let's just do a whole ass frantic narrative about this. And even so, like none of it is really descriptive. Like all of, like like all of Mister Johnson's attempts to rid himself of the cat are essentially adaptations of the verses that all lead back to the chorus, which we yeah. hear. But we don't we don't need to hear the verse because we're we're seeing it. Instead of hearing the verse, oh, and by the way, the, the song is sung by uh, John McCullough, the arranger of the music, as well as Richard Condy, Cordell Barker, and Ed Lawson, like another musician. It's only four people 
singing it. So this this whole piece is like just some guys hanging out. More or less, yeah. yeah. Like some buds at the NFB. They're like, yeah, you know that like kind of racist song from our childhood. Like, yeah, I remember that. You wanna you wanna just do that? Not not to change the subject too too terribly much, but I love the way the cat moves. Like it looks more like a squirrel. Just what practice. is this design for that cat? It looks like it's it's a squirrel. Like it's because gummy. of the cheeks. The cheeks and the tail and just and the, the tail, way it, yeah. and the way it moves, it doesn't move like a cat. It does the like squirrel bounding kind of run. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird kind of uh, decision there, but again, it all fits into this exaggerated style that Cordell Barker has, where it's mm-hmm. like that's what a cat looks like in his world. Yeah, that's... Nope. Don't question it. There's so many great bits of direction in this as well, like, as I was saying. Uh, but just a little bit more on the music. Like, it's a fantastic composition. But for the verses, it goes through all of these, like, motifs and movements. Like, sometimes it sounds like this, like, frantic country song. Sometimes it's, like, slowed down and melancholic. See, I didn't I didn't listen to it enough times. Oh, it, it like, matches the action of what it's presenting with the animation it's yeah. like and it's just another looney tune kind of directing style is like you you direct around the musical accompaniment yeah and every every action has an accompanying musical piece like even something as simple as your footsteps yeah and like the the piece and the motifs that it creates but they're gonna flow with the story okay. so because this is a story based around repetition yeah, the cat came back. Yeah, it's it writes itself. So every time there's got to be like a new spin on the song, a new it has to get a little bit faster, it's got to sound a little bit more frantic and invasive. It's it's a really well directed piece. Yeah. Oh god, those those like rolling shots over the hills whenever he leaves his home. So good. I love the the movement of the camera. When he, yeah, when he drives yeah, and the perspective. up the hills. Yeah, to when he bikes up the hills to the hot air balloon. It's such a, a fluid camera movement. God, hand-drawn animation is just... <sighs> like, how, how, da- how dare you? So, like, yeah, say no more. Like, hand-drawn <laughs> animation. <sighs> right? Like, it's that simple. How, how dare you make something this cool? I, I think the cat's retaliating. No, see, you're always going to take the cat's side. Of course I am! The cat did nothing wrong! It destroyed his whole home. After he tried to murder it, the cat did nothing until he tried to kill it. I, I mean, that is the darkest... That That is the darkest scene, is the one in the lake. Yeah, where, like, he ties an anchor to the cat, to a bag, with the cat in it. And then, but he falls into the, into the lake instead, but there's just, like, an endless sea of other little bags at the bottom dozens of the Dozens and lake. dozens of bags of presumably cats that have been thrown into the river to drown. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I don't think that's an implication on Mr. Johnson, not to come to the defense of a fictional character from a short from 1987. Uh, he also runs over a bunch of women. Just a weird visual sight gag where <laughs> while he's trying to uh, take his, what do you call that, like a train cart? It's one of those, because um, it's a hand, I think it's called a hand cart? So yeah, like a hand cart up the uh, railway tracks to 
God knows where, because I think he's just running on instinct at this point. Yeah. But along that track, he runs over a bunch of women that are just tied up to the tracks. Like, who put them there? Was it Mr. Johnson? All right. Uh, I guess, any, anything left to say on this short? Like, I, out, outside, outside of the uh, lyrical content from the original. Uh-huh. Uh, I think this is a fantastic short. Uh... uh so other than the lyrical content, which this this short has thankfully excised, yeah, uh, fun little cartoon. Yeah, I'm I'm really on board with with someone in the '80s being like, what if we took all of the parts of this song that weren't horribly racist and just made a delightful little story out of them? Fantastic. So let's get on to something a little. Well, I wouldn't say a little more serious, but. Definitely something, like, a, a palette change. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a tone shift a little bit. It's a tone shift a little bit to the left. Just a little, it's a lateral move. Uh, so I chose, uh, the 2016 short I Like Girls, uh, written and directed by Diane Obomsowin and based on her 2014 graphic novel of the same name in French, uh, but in English it was called On Loving Women. J'aime la fille. J'aime la fille. She is a uh, Quebecois-based uh, author, illustrator, and animated film filmmaker. Uh, she often goes by this... this Really cute pseudonym, uh, Obum. 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 Huh. And, uh, yeah, she... So this is a series of vignettes of, um, basically the, uh, narrated by, uh, a few women, uh, just telling stories of either, like, how they discovered their sexuality or little fumbling explorations of sexuality, um... And they're, they're anthropomorphized as these little, like, bear dog critters. Yeah, that kind of covers it. Yeah, it's, it's this, like, uh, NF, the NFB also has, like, a few, um, documentary-style shorts where it's sort of just, like, a collection of just people telling little, little stories about their lives. Well, capturing, capturing moments, and this is sort of just, like, an animated version of some of those documentaries. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's really cute. And I think I stumbled upon it. Um, it was probably during a pride month thing, uh, about a year ago. And they were just like, the NFB was going, Hey, check out all of the gay shit we do. That's nice. Yeah. And so it's always, it's always nice to remember that the NFB is an ally. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> they, they at the very least, have a whole section. Uh, yeah. A whole section that is actually, you know, produced by queer identifying people rather than yeah, they just have, saying so. Um, they have a channel on their website called uh, 2SLGBTQI+. And it's just, some of it's animated, some of it's live action, just a bunch of gay shit. So as I've, uh, as, as I understand it, this is like four of the stories, like out of ten, 
that made up the graphic novel On Loving Women, which was like produced because she was just interviewing people she knew in Montreal about their, as you said, like their experience discovering their attraction to the same sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of uh, one of the stories that makes it into the short film is her own. Right, it ends with her, Diane, at the end. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the look of this thing, because there's a, there's a big point we should... Uh, there's a big point we should hit on, but uh, first... Human hands? There's that, yes. Uh, rotoscoping. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous rotoscoping. Beautiful, fluid rotoscoping, specifically on on the hands a lot. Which is, like, in its this little rotoscoping moment surrounded by a very minimalist kind of design. Yeah. Like, the, the backgrounds are um, either... Non-existent yeah, at some it, points. They are either like just a blank screen, or um, there there will be like just outlines of a few set pieces. Uh, I'm really fond of the outdoor shots where like if you look outside of a window, it's just like again this blank screen with like just these. I want. I, I, I would call I, them gifs. Yeah, little gifs of like trees, and and animals. God, there's something so delightfully storybook about this. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like an only what is necessary approach uh, mm-hmm. because like the, the visuals they're very interesting, but they they take somewhat of a back seat to the story itself because these are people like real people who are relaying a true story from their life. Yeah, and then the the visuals are just sort of there to to play with the the because the the stories that they are sharing are inherent like there's a little there's a lot of silliness and awkwardness to it because a lot of them are these like these fumbling first steps to uh for for like a lesbian crush and so there's a lot of like goofiness to to all of them and they're they're taking very literally and, and, and I would say, like, only one is out-and-out out tragic. Uh, one out of the, the four is, I would say, even remotely sad. The other ones are just kind of, like, goofy, silly, coming-of-ages with some setbacks, but mostly it's just, it like, that honesty kind of carries through you through. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of um, quirk, quirk, quirky, I guess. There's a, there's a lot of very specific kind of detail that makes you that that immediately clues you into like these are real stories that actually happen like i'm i'm thinking of the uh one bit from the marie story the only one that's kind of sad about the poor family who eats lunch which is their lunch is ice cream cones dipped in pepsi yeah which is fucking heartbreaking that but like you know just from hearing that like that can't be made up that's a real thing that that... uh, this woman marie experience when she was living with her first girlfriend yeah that that 100 percent happened i'm i'm also very fond of the way she describes um her first the the neighbor that she had a uh a, a big crush on when she was a kid she's like she looks like the french singer francoise hardy but shorter and then smash cut to this visual gag of like a teeny tiny francoise hardy like the mic that she's holding is as big as her it's there's a lot of fun um visual gags in this as well uh just again doing what you can with this art style diana bonsoin like she has admitted in interviews like i'm not a great artist 
Like I have, I like have very specific limitations to my style. It serves me well, but it's like there are a certain number of things I can't do, and that's why for this short she like chose to really incorporate rotoscoping because like well these stories there has to be a level of like sensuality to them and sexuality. Yeah, and my style doesn't really lend itself to that. Yeah, her her style is a lot. It's very like simplistic and and cartoony, and so it doesn't play well into those, like, very soft, delicate, sensual movements. It lends itself to other things. Like, yeah. there's a great there's a great gag, I think it's from Diane's own story, where she's relating her experience of attract, like, being attracted to other students in her, in grade school. And it's, it's all represented with these, like, weird, laser-focused kind of lighting. Yeah, I, her... Yeah, I, I'm really fond of uh, how, at one point, that gag turns into, like, a little heart. Or, like, this, these, these laser beams of her eyes as she's looking at this other girl skipping is, is a little sideways heart. It's, it's really cute. Or it's, like, I think it might be from the Matilde one where, like, she was relating, like, it's love at first sight and she gets struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. It, there's just a bunch of uh, very creative ways to express, like, the human emotion, the emotions that these characters are going through, or these real people are going through. Yeah. It's very... It's it's very earnest and sweet when, when you can... It's very cute, yeah. Yeah, like, when you can express those those very human emotions. Like, even... There, there's something in, like, even simplistic art where when you're describing... Or try, you, you can't describe how something makes you feel, but you can draw a silly little picture of it, and someone can look at it and go like, yeah, no, that's exactly what it feels like. So, like, that, that falling in love at first sight, maybe it does feel like being struck by lightning. Or, like, you just... Or at the very least, it felt like that to Matilde. Yeah. It works, and it's so, it's so goofy, and I it's... love it. Yeah, because it's all coming from, as you said, like, this, um... Like, the space of, like, vulnerability. Like, the people that... The real people that she was interviewing are telling some very, like, unguarded... I don't want to say secrets, but, like, personal histories to someone that they trust. It all comes across as, like, as you said, like, very, very earnest. Because, yeah, this is... This is coming from a place of deep... Of deep trust of saying, like, hey, these are... This is the... These are the things that I was thinking when I didn't realize that I was allowed to be who I am, or even when I straight up wasn't allowed to be who I am. And, and like, to piggyback onto that, like, they can seem a bit embarrassing, but it's because all the people that are giving these stories are coming from a place of hindsight where you would hope uh, how many years removed from their first discovery of their identity, they have come to terms with it and can look back fondly on it as like, wow, I really... Gave that girl in my class, like, dozens and dozens of pictures of horses. Because I thought she looked like a horse, and that made me love her. Because I love horses. <laughs> like, that is such a... That is such an elementary school cringy crush way of telling a story. And again, it's that level of detail where you know it's coming from, like, an honest place, where it's like, you can't make that up. Yeah. No, no one, no one is just going to be like, oh, what if you were so into horses that you fell in love with someone because they looked like a horse? Like, I don't think you've met a horse girl if you don't believe that. 
And that also just lends itself to um, Abamsa Wynn's kind of style, where it's like, they're kind of animal-human hybrids. So, yeah, yeah, if you say, like, yeah, the girl kind of looked like a horse, like, I can't imagine what that would look like, but in this style, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, she just give her her horse features instead of these dog bears. And, like, Abamsa Wynn's, like, own... uh, her own story of relating how she discovered that she was attracted to women. It's like, she got overstimulated by a Turner classic movie. Yeah. Like, women in uniform for, like, 1956. She was watching that late at night, and it's like, I I don't know what came over me. It's just, I had to turn the TV off. Yeah. And, like, I, I've seen uh, women in, in uniform. Oh, you have? Any I good? have. Uh, it's, I've, I've seen the, the original German one. From the, oh, okay, that was from, like, the 30s, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I have not seen the the Turner Classic movie, movie one, but if it if it was the German one, it's incredibly chaste. Oh, uh, no, it was specifically the 50s one because okay. uh, she referenced the two stars. Okay. And I, I, I also love how that works itself into her own, like, actual, like, sexual epiphany, where she's like, until I had a dream with Greta Garbo dressed as a cowgirl. Yeah, which, I mean, who, who, who <laughs> wouldn't? Among Us has not. Uh, yeah, you know, fair. Red <laughs> hot. Yeah, no. Al- always was. Yep. Yeah, it, again, it's just... It's a, just those very specific details. They're, they're coming from, like, very truthful places. Mm-hmm. That you can just pick up on, like... Like, that whole thing of, like, Greta Garbo as a cowgirl dream. That was real. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was Matilde uh, who described her first girlfriend as, like, a mix of a horse and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like, that's, that is, that's just the way that you describe people that you remember fondly sometimes. Like, when you're, when the most of your memories are coming from a very emotional place, it's like, yeah, that's, was, that was their vibe. Mm Mm-hmm. There's just, I, I can't explain it. She was like a horse crossed with Wonder Woman. And that had the best bit of animation in the entire short, uh, the dancing at Matilde's first, uh, Pride Parade. Yeah. Someone just take that dance sequence, gif it. (laughs) And spam it all through June. Because, yeah, that's just, you know, just just me and the girls. The fucking grass skirts are so good. And and again, there's like, there's no detail put into that environment itself. It's not immediately obvious they're at a pride parade if it weren't for the narration. Uh, I, I would say the only hint is that the um, the platform that they're on has these little rainbow streamers. Yeah, they're kind of on a float. They said that yeah. uh, because they, they meet a couple at the movie theater, um, Matilda relating her, her like, the first time of finding a kind of queer community for herself mm-hmm. and her girlfriend. So she, like, she bonds with this deaf couple at the movies. Yeah, like, oh my god, the only other lesbians we know. So they learn sign language so that they can bond with these two. And then they go to Pride together. Yeah, all of these details, like, all, like I, I imagine that the selection process for these short, like, confessional stories for this short must have been arduous. Yeah. Espe- like, if, especially if they are all this good. And, there are all, the, all these texture to every story. Yeah. I I have to imagine it it went came down to, like, what what would move best. Or, like, have the best mix of emotions, because, like, Charlotte is, like, the sensual story, Mathilde is the kind of, is the kind of goofy story, there's a lot of comedy in that one, Marie's the tragic one, and Diane is... The the hopeful one. 
yeah, the, like the more reserved one of the four because she's the author. I actually looked into it a bit, uh, an interview with uh, Abamsawin about like wh- the selection process. Mm. Apparently, like in the women that of Montreal that she knew and interviewed for the book, like they their age ranged from like twenty to seventy something. Mm-hmm. Charlotte was the one who was like seventy two. Oh, but it's not made immediately oh, like obvious because of. Of Obama wins barely like minimalist style. Yeah, because everything is relatively simplistic. So you like you're not getting obvious uh, details of of time periods. They all just they're all they're kind of just timeless stories. Actually, it's now that I think about it, it could be specifically because these are memories that they're being relayed to the author. Uh, unless that's the, unless the person who, like, who was confessing, not confessing, but telling the story gave more detail, they don't make it into the short. Like, this is what's remembered. It's just the important stuff. Yeah, just here, here, it kind of gives the, gives the visual of, of memory, where, like, you don't remember exactly what everything looked like, but you remember what everything felt like, and maybe, yeah, you remember a, a handful of, of other, of, like, a random detail. Like, you remember what movie you went to see when you met this other couple, or you remember, like, what the tablecloth looked like at the house you were at, but everything else is just sort of a void. Yeah, unless you have eidetic memory. Like, that's why the... That's probably why the, the hand clasping each other is, like, rotoscoped, because, like, that's something that they remember. Mm-hmm. Like, in vivid detail, like, the sensation of holding uh, this other woman's hand. Yeah, like, there's there's something there's something powerful with that. And again, all expressed through animation. Like, that's, that's not a detail that Charlotte expresses, like, in her actual, like, story. Mm-hmm. It's just coming through the animation, it's like, yeah, that is something that clearly meant a lot to this woman and her journey to finding her sexual identity... Man. Yeah, it's it's a really nice, nice, nice short that's very sweet and kind of goofy, but has emotional depth to it. And I uh, love how all of these dog heads are too small for the rotoscoped human bodies. It's very, very weird. <laughs> it's they're, a very weird look. They're so small! And like, they're... So they're quote-unquote animal heads, but, like, of what? They're dog bears. Yeah. Like, that's the only way I can describe them. Because, like, they they are definitely dogs, but they're not quite dogs. Except for the dog bear that kind of looks like a horse. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation that we're not ready to have. (laughs) That's a dog bear who kind of looks like a horse. Okay, never mind. The conversation's done. (laughs) We did it. Any closing thoughts on I Like Girls? It's cute! It is. That is probably the best way to summarize it. Just a really adorable, affirming short. Yeah. That would make for great viewing in Pride Month. Yeah. Uh, And if we thought about it, we would have saved it for, uh, like, next week. (laughs) Nah. Nah. We're so good at this. We'll find something else gay to talk about for Pride Month. Well, there is one thing on the schedule, but that's Beast Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gayest thing of all. It, 
I know a lot of queer people who very much are into Transformers. Of course they are. Like, I don't know how, how caught up you are on, like, but they basically have gone to some pretty interesting places in terms of, like, gender and sexuality in a world where, like, in a species that do not have gender. I, I do remember, um, I, I do remember enemy of the show, uh, Steven Crowder tweeting something about how now the Transformers have pronouns. They always did, Steven. Well, apparently it's an issue. Well, that's because he's a coward. And, uh, anyway, you can also buy a, a, a pin of I Like Girls where, just know for context... That this little dog bear with hard eyes is looking at a dog bear that looks like a horse. <laughs> That's a sentence. Yep. That is a sentence that makes sense in context. It sure do. So I guess that will do it for our latest NFB showcase. Yeah. Two shorts that don't exactly fit together, but oh. one... Yeah. I, I, I've got how they, how they uh, coincide, because if... If I Like Girls is gay pride, the cat came back is gay wrath. <laughs> so on that note, um, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, the NFB Showcase. If you like what you heard, please consider giving us a like, share, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, preferably Apple Podcasts, because it helps us reach the widest possible audience. You can find the show on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod, where we post new episodes Every Saturday. Except when uh, Chris's computer explodes and we can't. No, don't. Now it's going to happen. Now it's now that's the reality for next week. If that <sighs> happens, I will buy you a new computer. Oh. Oh, what if... Uh, okay, oh no, I, I can work with this. Um... <laughs> you do not need to show me insurance slips. I'll just trust you. I'm very naive. <laughs> Oh, thank God. Thank thank God that you trust me so much. You're, like, you're the only one. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CinemaCreep, where I will be going down with the ship that is my laptop and posting until it gives out. Uh, you can find me at Sylvie Skeletons, where uh, I guess I'm the uh, string quartet playing with your sinking ship. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. Solidarity. That's teamwork right there. <laughs>